Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hello there and welcome to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast, a show where we take all of the latest news, gossip and events in the world of Formula One and we relay that back to you for your listening and viewing pleasure, depending on which platform you choose to follow us on. And of course, guys, it is race week, a double header race week, but we're not going to be talking about the latter of those two. We're going to be talking about the Portuguese Grand Prix coming up this week at the Algarve region in Portimao. Not too far from the last time that we were there, of course, the scene where Lewis Hamilton won his 92nd and record-breaking Grand Prix of his F1 career. And I'm sure many more still yet to come for Lewis. But we are joined here, of course, by my co-host, Mr. Courtney Pine, sporting his West Ham jersey as usual. Courtney, you OK, mate? How are you, get- how are you getting on? Yeah, going well. Got a bit of time off, so I'm glad to spend that wisely. And I couldn't think of a better way to start my week off than to speak to you about Formula One. Absolutely. And of course, joining me also is the wonderful and very, very, very good Mr. Stephen Featley. And uh, Stephen, first of all, how are you doing this afternoon? Are you okay? Yeah, doing well. Um, Getting excited for the Grand Prix this weekend. Uh, uh, At least it's a break from the football, at least. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I uh, can agree to that very, very much so sport and same team. But um, of course, for those of you that don't recognize Stephen um, from a few occasions where I've appeared on his channel, Stephen runs a YouTube channel of his own, sfeetly.tv. Very, very good channel. Definitely check that out. Great content relating to Arsenal Football Club, if you are that way inclined. And of course, a Formula One channel as well. The Checkered Flag show, I should say, that I've appeared on a few times myself. And all for a very, very good cause that I'll happily pass over to Stephen to talk about for a few moments yeah like you said we do Arsenal football F1 content whilst we raise awareness and money for children's liver disease foundation uh which is a charity without the research I would not be here today uh after having six liver transplants myself so yeah obviously it's just to help kids around the world to try and uh combat and uh not be limited by the liver conditions so we try and raise as much money as we can. Absolutely. Fantastic stuff and uh, a great inspiration to us all. And of course, Stephen's dedication is absolutely ironclad. And I can testify to that. Stephen, I remember recording a podcast, well, recording a live stream with you actually when you were in the hospital receiving treatment. So um, definitely one that will always make sure he puts content out um, no matter the circumstances, so no fair play to you. But of course, if you are interested in supporting Stephen and the Children's Liver Disease Foundation, the links to his channel and of course the links to his Just Giving page will be in the description. So if you can, please give as generously as you can. Thank you, you well, very much. We yes, are, we are 35 away from a thousand as well. Yes, uh, we'll get the watch hours as well this week to monetize the channel, which means all the money will go to the charity from there as well. So 
with uh, with that close now. So. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So please do subscribe to Stephen's channel, as you just mentioned. Uh, monetization, of course, for a lot of YouTubers, is important for their own personal gain. But in Stephen's case, that is certainly not the case, and all the proceeds that he makes from that do go to the Children's Liver Disease Foundation. So yes, fantastic stuff. Please give what you can, and please do subscribe to Stephen's channel if you are an F1 fan, or even if you're an Arsenal fan in particular. Definitely subscribe. There's plenty of stuff related to that as well. Of course, the main reason why we're here, guys, we are going to be talking about the Portuguese Grand Prix coming up this weekend and, of course, giving some of our predictions. So the main topic at hand, guys, two races into the season, two incredibly brilliant races for different reasons. The main talking point has to be the growing battle between Lewis Hamilton, the defending world champion, and the young pretender, the young challenger, Max Verstappen. Two races in, one win apiece. I'm going to come to you, Stephen, a big Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton fan in particular. What have you made to the start of the season so far? And do you feel that Lewis in particular, as well as Mercedes, are in for a real fight this season in the form of uh, Max Verstappen and Red Bull? I think definitely the season's been a great uh, uh, a great example of how great this season could be, uh, let alone what's coming next season and um but i mean we talked about that last in last week's podcast but um yeah uh, I, I, you know i know lewis hamilton from me in interviews uh and that he's a person that loves the challenge uh and i think he's probably missed that in a sense in the last couple of championships he's won uh not i mean give it to Valtteri Bottas he's got to go but it's not to the level of some uh, some challenges that uh, say like Rosberg gave uh, Hamilton in a sense. So uh, yeah, obviously Max Verstappen obviously he's having the advantage at the minute. The Red Bull we do know is fair quicker. My opinion that from what I saw from Imola before the rain and everything else is that Mercedes look like they have caught up a significant bit. Uh, whether that be the case in Portugal, we wait to see. Uh, and as you mentioned earlier, it's a happy hunting ground for Hamilton after last season. So, um, yeah, the game's really on. But I do feel with Red Bull, they've also got a much stronger lineup in terms of Perez uh, uh, in the Red Bull managed to get second. Didn't do, didn't pull off the race uh, as well. Uh, but I mean, the mixed conditions, it's gonna, it's gonna be a topsy turvy race and. Yeah, if Mercedes aren't careful with uh, Bottas dropping points as well, they could face a massive battle in the constructors as well. But yeah, I feel with this this Hamilton Verstappen fight looks a fight that could go down to the wire. But then we have seen that with Vettel uh, before in 2017 and 18. It's just how long is uh, the, the stamina that sh- uh, Hamilton shows throughout the season is incredible. Uh, he gets to halfway through the season and he's still conjuring out the wind so yeah it's it it will take a lot from Verstappen but he's definitely got the talent to do it yeah no absolutely and you importantly you mentioned the not just the physical stamina but the mental stamina that Lewis Hamilton has Mm. to go for a grueling championship battle that we've seen many times over the course of his career whether it be against Fernando Alonso, Felipe Massa, um, Sebastian Vettel of course, Mika Rosberg and to some degree Valtteri Bottas up to a certain point of the season Lewis has always been able to outlast all of those guys in the championship battle for one way or another. Do you feel perhaps, Stephen, that Max Verstappen 
needs to find that level of stamina or mental stability over a long season? Or do you feel that perhaps he's shown some signs that he may be capable of doing that this season? He's shown signs of it, uh, for sure. Uh, but I think it's like what you mentioned before in on, on my channel is that he needs to start focusing mentally about winning races that you should be qualifying pole fastest lap and you should be dominating the weekend. And um, obviously with Verstappen, and it's like with Hamilton back in his first season in Formula 1, he has the talent, can't deny it, but I think what made it difficult for Hamilton, his first championship win, and even his 2007 one, is tackling the mental political side of the uh, of the F1 saga and it is it's going to get ment uh, mentally and politically draining at some point because uh, that's what every title fight does whether he can outlast it to an end of a season especially the longest season ever in Formula 1 is another matter but I can't what we can say is at the moment he's definitely showing he's definitely got the talent and know how to do it where he's like picked that up as he's developed his career we'll have to wait and see no absolutely and, and of course you know a big important factor in the max verstappen argument that perhaps he probably answered one of these questions that we brought already was that max needs to start winning races that he should be winning or expected to win and i think for all intents and purposes i think he certainly demonstrated that last week at imola where he was in a commanding position. And despite a few occasions where he was put under some pressure, whether it be Hamilton or the safety cars that came out or the red flag, he responded them all, to them all in the same way you'd expect Lewis Hamilton to do so. I wouldn't and say so, though. He, I mean, but then to be fair, for, if it was the way it's supposed to be, like, then Rebel should have got a pole position. He really did fluff his lines mm. there. Uh, got a great start, can't deny that. Uh, I was hoping turn one was a little bit more. He turned the angle and turned into Hamilton, but uh, no, but it was uh, it's just the way it is on the wet surface. Uh, but despite Hamilton losing that little bit of end plate on the bottom of his front wing, he was still keeping up with him and actually started reeling him in, which again shows the tire management Hamilton's got over Verstappen. Mm. Uh, and certain other bits of the trade that he's picked up. So if Mercedes are falling behind and he's still managing to cap Verstappen at a vast rate of knots, despite some damage, then I think even with the red flag, I mean, you had the red flag. If he had not had that accident at the hairpin, he would have replaced that front wing for the second half of that or whatever was left of that race and really put Verstappen under serious pressure. <laughs> serious pressure and who knows maybe he might have been able to snatch the lead back but it, it would definitely been a title uh, a definitely a, a fight we want to see to the end but yeah. again an uncharacteristic mistake but maybe that's some t uh, maybe that's Hamilton already starting to feel some pressure but we don't know yeah that's no, a really interesting point and I think we can put that down to Lewis. Uh, I, think, I think there's no denying that Lewis Hamilton is 
the rain master in this current crop of formula one all time that's a, another debate but um you know he, and that probably was a factor when racing against max verstappen who is also a very very good driver in the web perhaps not on lewis's level but still a very good one nonetheless um courtney i'm going to bring you into this discussion as well now um stephen raised a very good point lewis hamilton making a very uncharacteristic error when he overtook George Russell to lap him, put himself on a damp part of the circuit on the dry tyres and then going off, of course, um, at the hairpin, almost jeopardising his race to the point where he was unrecoverable. Then, of course, followed that fight back to the second place, impressively done. Do you Would think you that's George Russell? Sorry, do you think that's George no, Russell? No, well, I want your seat next season. I think he did. I think he very much did that with Valtteri Bottas, especially afterwards when Valtteri. Yeah, I just thought it was. Now I'm not letting you feel because I want your seat next season. So go on, go <laughs> have a trip in the wall. <laughs> May well be, but um, but of course we will get into that discussion Sorry. on them too because that is definitely one worth talking about. But Corny, yeah, as um, as we were saying. Do you agree with Stephen's earlier point that perhaps that was the first example that we've seen perhaps in a good few years since the Rosberg saga in 2016, that Lewis Hamilton might already be feeling some pressure by this um, reinvented, if you like, Max Verstappen in a much more competitive car? I mean, it could be an early sign of it, but as a Lewis Hamilton fan, I'm not too worried about it just yet. Um Something that has been noticed about the damage to the front wing to um, Lewis's car at the start is that they reckon that could have cost him six tenths of a second a lap. Now, for from a Mercedes perspective, that's very encouraging going into future races. Probably not as encouraging for Formula One fans in general, but it seems I, I feel like I'm repeating myself sometimes. But it seems that Mercedes are learning about this car very quickly. And I, I personally feel that going into this race, I personally have Mercedes as favourites because the trajectory they're going with the development of the car and learning about it, it does seem that Mercedes are slowly but surely starting to get the edge over Red Bull. Yeah, I mean, it very well could be. And, and let's not forget, you know, we had this in Bahrain after um, Lewis had won that race. Dr. Helmut Marco came out and said that the diff issues that Max was having and the engine issues that Max was having with the Honda power unit could costed him around three or four tenths of a second a lap. And of course, not to say that this is in the same breath, but when you hear stuff like that, it does make you think, OK, well, it would be nice to see what happens when both of them are in their cars performing 100% to their capacity and there's no damage or anything. We still don't know. And I think this is what's exciting about this championship this year in particular, is that from circuit to circuit, we're going to see different variables that really affect the pecking order, particularly between these two at the front of the field. As you said, Courtney, Mercedes look like they're learning more about their car and they do tend to have a tendency with a car that has diva-like characteristics, as they so often refer it to as, that over time they do eventually learn better than anyone else and get into that real sweet spot that really starts to unlock that true performance that practically nobody can match. Red Bull themselves are probably aware of this. They've kind of been suckered into a development board just by virtue of the fact that if they don't, they're not going to win this championship. And they're already planning to bring a significant update package to the uh, Portuguese Grand Prix. So we understand um, they were meant to bring it in Imola. That got pushed back. So we are expecting to see it either here or in Spain. But it just kind of adds to the intrigue of the changing landscape, if you like, between Hamilton and Verstappen, as it did between Mercedes and Ferrari in 2017 and 2018, between Vettel and Hamilton, that you really don't know who's going to be on top at every race weekend. 
But seeing as we're doing a predictions video, I guess we're going to have a stab at it at it anyway. So, um, Stephen, I'm going to come to you first on this one. Under the circumstances that we'll find at Portimao, which is probably going to be a lot different to what we got last season, where the weather won't be as cold. It'll probably be a lot easier to manage the tyres and in an operating window compared to what we had last year. Because if we remember that first lap, it was absolutely crazy to a point where Carlos Sainz in the McLaren was leading the Grand Prix at one point on the first lap. And uh, Raikkonen made up half the grid just be being on the better, softer tyres, which are better in the conditions. Um, as I said, given the nature of the circuit, how do you see this one going down? Do you expect Mercedes to be on top and Lewis perhaps to return to winning ways? Or do you feel that perhaps Red Bull will still be the team to beat going into this race? I think it's really, really close to call. If, if Red Bull got a package, and we know what Mercedes are like, because we saw it in 2018 as well, because from the beginning of the 2018 season, apart from Australia, Mercedes are struggling with that uh, with, those, with that car with tyre temperature a lot. Uh, and they managed to de- unlock it by Spain uh, and got it working to where, how they wanted it. Um, so Mercedes Mercedes will always learn quick on any sort of given day it's um, yeah it it depends on how big is this package Uh, and then what are Mercedes going to bring up to answer that because I'm sure Mercedes got something else up their sleeve but then they don't usually let out but yeah for me it's it's too close to call My, my, my heart being a our Hamilton fan and someone who's met him and idolised him with his still our eyes motto, which obviously to me means a lot for what I've been through, is that I can never see him giving in to a race like this and raising the bar uh, in a sense. So like he's done time again. Uh, So I would say... Tough one, isn't it? It is. I would say if Verstappen might want to re, might want to get qualifying back to get sort of. I think it might be that a qualifying might go to Verstappen, but I think race overall in terms of race strategy might go to Hamilton, mm. and that's just through experience for myself. No, absolutely. I I think that's a very good shout. Given last season we saw the battle between. Hamilton and Bottas ultimately decided by Lewis managing his tyres better and the strategy a lot better. Of course, one caveat. Also yeah. just say as well is that I would also say is that that with uh, as well is that I mean I say that because I'll, even though I want to see Hamilton get his his hundredth pole position, uh, which will be next this this race if he does get it, which is mind boggling. It's just this compared to sixty nine of Schumacher is this just mm. on another planet and for me as an amateur fan i want to see that i want to see him break so many records it's unreal uh but um yeah i just feel that verstappen will want to answer himself in qualifying most definitely to give him the best chance and um but then again what i saw in imola as well is that you could have any team going again to the top three you could have i mean lando norris was a few minutes away from getting pole position mm. So, which was unfortunate to be honest, and I wish he did actually because 
it, how great is that to see eight tenths of uh, uh, five tenths of what half a second? Yeah, it's pretty much between yeah. the top eight. That's that's pretty staggering, right? Uh, and not to mention what they're going to do next year. Hmm. So, so if that's if that's going to be the case, it's going to be like that last year. Then, pff, hey, bring on every Grand Prix this season, right? Because it'd be it'd be nice to see some different faces up there. Maybe even someone different get pole position. Because it's nice to see McLaren back up there. It's yeah, been glorious to see him back up there. And, and yeah. Noise in the world. And you and I had a really good discussion on that for 2022. So, um, of course, if you do want to check that out, guys, check out Stephen's channel on the Checker Flag Show. We had a really good discussion on the 2020 rule, uh, 2022 rules and why you should be excited, even though the pack are pretty much bunching up together. Um, one caveat I was going to throw into the mix, um, and I'll come to Courtney on this one, is there's going to be no DAS, of course. Mercedes have lost the, the use of the DAS system, which, as I said, we can't quantify how much of a performance um advantage that gave them over the rest of the field but one of its key attributes was that it allowed the guy the drivers to manage their tire temperatures and on a track like Portimao which was obviously uncharacteristically colder than it normally is when you go racing there in the MotoGP series um that would have been a huge advantage Mercedes would have had to use that they haven't got that this season so if we do get similar conditions to what we got last season unlikely as that is that could prove to be a stumbling block for Mercedes to have to try and deal with the same issues everybody else did last season that obviously worked so well in their favour. Um, Courtney, I'm going to come to you on this one. Um, a similar question I mentioned to Stephen earlier. How do you see this one going? Do you feel Mercedes will continue with their progression, as you've mentioned, and perhaps steal a march on Red Bull? Or do you feel that uh, Red Bull will be able to continue where they left off, not just from Imola, but also Bahrain as well? Because both of their guys said that they made mistakes in qualifying and should have easily put it on the pole position on the front row, um, especially Perez. But do you feel that uh, that they should expect to be on the front row or pole position? Or do you feel that perhaps Mercedes will find another, another way of toppling them this weekend? I'm expecting a strong weekend from Lewis. I really do believe that Mercedes is starting to turn a corner with their performance. And, you know, session by session, they are they're getting stronger and stronger. Um, polls up for debate for, but for the race itself I'm expecting a strong weekend from Lewis I think he could be fairly comfortable but Max will be keeping him honest and I think Perez will be due a strong weekend as well I think the likes of Lewis and Perez after scrappy weekends will be looking to redeem themselves so I'm expecting a strong weekend from Lewis and from Sergio so I reckon, I reckon Lewis is going to win I think Max will be close in second but I reckon Perez could be the last guy on that podium Mm. No, it's a good shout. And um, I mean, it says a lot when a scruffy weekend for Lewis Hamilton is to make the mistakes that he made and still end up second place in the race. Yeah. Um, it says a lot about Lewis. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Perez, Courtney. Let's, let's talk briefly around the uh, number two driver's role in this one. Um, Sergio Perez, we'll go to him first of all. Um, rather disappointing Sunday in Imola. I think he would have been absolutely thrilled with how his Saturday went, despite the fact he was disappointed not to get his first pole position of his career. But that being said, he wasn't just the one time he'd made a mistake. There were a few occasions where he got himself into very good positions, either by virtue of driving well, qualifying, or the red flag helping him out, or safety cars. But on a few occasions, he made big mistakes. And um, Stephen, I'll come to you first on this one. 
It's very uncharacteristic driving from Sergio Perez. He was brilliant in Bahrain on the Sunday. He was equally terrible in Imola. Um, how much pressure do you feel that he is under right now to get a huge result for Red Bull now? Because it's the third race that he's driven for this team. He's already shown his qualities that Red Bull signed him for. But he's also shown some fatal weaknesses in his armour at this point at his time at Red Bull that they've removed other drivers from that team to get him in in the past. Do you feel that he's still under some big pressure or do you feel that he's on top of things and will deliver this weekend? Um, there's obviously going to be pressure on the Red Bull. You I mean, you're, you're playing for a team that's going to try and win the championship, not just the drivers and constructors. And you're going to take on the might of Mercedes. You're going to need both drivers because Hamilton and Bottas has been a sort of faultless partnership since 2017. And uh, I mean, the last two seasons, they finished first and second in the championship. So if you're going to take on the Miami Mercedes, you're going to need to use both drivers. Now, what I saw in Imola in qualifying proved to me that, proves to me that, yes, I feel that Perez can, unlike Albon, unlike Gasly, will eventually snap and find, find their feet. And I think that's because of the amount of experience he's gained. He's also been to a top team before. He went to McLaren. And I feel that was unjust, to be fair. I will point that out. I actually feel it was unjust to actually let him go at the end of that season because that car was terrible to start with. Mm. Right? So to let him go after one season was a bit uh, terrible. And it paid the price because he did much better in 14 than the next year in 2014. But... All that experience, I feel, is an advantage that Pierre Gasly and Albon didn't have. And I feel because of that, he, yes, there's pressure. There's always going to be pressure, but I think he can deal with that pressure. Mm. So that's that's why I feel is that the qualifying just shows to me as well is that he still has the ability to be able to, to pull off a great race. I mean, he pulled off a great race in Bahrain with the, despite the issues he had. And um, uh, I, I, I don't see, yeah, it's, if it gets to about the sixth race in the season, seventh race, and he hasn't been on the podium at least once or twice, then I would start being worried. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I mean, whilst equally Mercedes, um, it might be clear already what the tactic is regarding Valtteri Bottas in terms of what role he plays into this. But um, I will ask Courtney this question. Um do you feel that perhaps Sergio Perez is already being put in that position against his better judgment that he may now have to already play second fiddle to Max and play the supportive role rather than try and compete for a world championship? Because he's already 30 points plus off the lead of the championship. Doesn't sound like a lot given that, um, you know, a, a win can be worth 26 points if you get fastest lap as well, um, as Lewis did um, as several times before. But we're two races in now. The championship is already starting to take shape. Perez may have to feel that his best chance of staying in this team long term is to perhaps already play second fiddle rather than try and get involved in a championship battle, which may end up costing his teammate ultimately if Perez starts taking points off of him unnecessarily. Do you feel that Perez has already put himself in that position, Courtney? Or do you feel that Red Bull will still give him the opportunity to try and make a case to be in this championship fight with Max and Lewis? Well, the problem for Sergio is that it's very clear at Red Bull that Max Verstappen is the number one driver. So for him to be considered an equal to Max, he would have had to have made 
a rapid start, you know, to sort of rattle Max. That hasn't happened. And also, given the nature of this championship, we're so close. Neither Red Bull or Mercedes can be afforded to give away precious points for their number one drivers to Bottas and Perez, respectively, because it could affect the outcome of the drivers' championship. So, yeah, for those two reasons combined, I think it's already pretty clear that Max Verstappen is going to be the number one driver this season. Mm. Yeah, um, I will just add to that is that I do feel with um, uh, Perez would have known going into that, right? That team is Max Verstappen's team. That's an end of it. They're, even the car, I mean, I think reason Pierre Gasly and Albon have struggled. That car is built for Max Verstappen. It's 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 clear to see. I mean, you've got two drivers there with probably two different styles that have gone in there in Albon and Gasly, and this still ain't worked. So for me, it's more built. That team is focused on, like Schumacher was focused on with Ferrari and like Hamilton's focused with Mercedes. It's um, that's focused on Verstappen. With Mercedes, the last two seasons, they could have been, they've, they've had the luxury of going, yeah, we'll give Bottas maybe a chance. 2018, they couldn't because by the time they got to the fourth race, Bottas have, was already way behind Hamilton. So, and what you saw in Bahrain, and I said it in my watch along, is this is why Bottas does not get considered to be a title contender at Mercedes or a number one driver or an equal because he does not outperform the car as well as Lewis. Uh, Lewis drove the wheels off that thing. And yes, they might have had help from his teammate, but his teammate was not going at the pace that Hamilton was going at and being able to put Verstappen under that much pressure. So you can see the levels in difference. So for me, that's why Hamilton will always get the jump on Bottas in terms of getting the luxuries, the, the, the upgrades first or this, that and the other, because he can produce, outproduce that car. Right. And then we see, we see when they qualify him and he's jumped out the car and he's like that shaking because the, the emotion, the adrenaline that goes through just to put him on the very, very edge. So, and so, yeah, that's, that's why Bottas just is not people say it's unfair, but unfortunately, that's that's F1. You either mm. perform or you don't get your opportunity. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, and it's important to note that, you know, Michael did was a good recipient of this at Ferrari. Um, I mean, Ferrari always been very open about how they've managed that with their teams. They've always wanted to have an outstanding number one driver. And then they'd also recruit a driver that was very good but they knew would not be a threat to the number one driver and would often be subservient to that number one driver when they needed to. Ruben Barrichello very much knows a lot about that. Eddie Irvine, of course, had his moments. And Felipe Massa, let's not forget when he was Fernando Alonso's teammate, the old Fernando is faster than you, mm-hmm. back from Germany 2010. So, you know, it's not it's not a, a bad thing in Formula One to have that. And I think sometimes teams that try to say, oh, we've got two number one drivers, you really need to try and manage that, especially if you're competing for a world championship. You can't really have that without fireworks. Unless you've got the best car by some margin, like Mercedes did in 2016, where they could afford to have both of their guys battle it out like that, then fair enough. But otherwise, you kind of have a need to have an 
outline number one and an outline number two. Um, just keeping an eye on the time of this, of course, um, let's talk about some of the other battles going on. So the battle to be the best of the rest, McLaren versus Ferrari. Now, we're already two races in, and it very much looks like these two teams are the outstanding candidates in this fight. And in particular, we've got Lando Norris and Charles Leclerc at the moment. Lando Norris, we'll talk about first briefly. An incredible start to the season. I said on last week's episode, following the Imola GP, that I was incredibly impressed with Lando. And, and to be honest, I didn't give him much credit last season. I didn't expect him to deliver in the way that he has done. Um, Stephen, I'll come to you first on this one. How do you see this going between McLaren and Ferrari? Because it almost feels like we're talking about, it's amazing to talk about a battle between McLaren and Ferrari, not necessarily for third place in the championship, but this one has legs as well. And I feel like as the season goes on, we're going to see a lot more circuits where McLaren are better. We're going to see circuits where Ferrari are better. But it seems right now, the key battle between those teams is kind of dependent on Lando Norris and Charles Leclerc. How do you see it going this weekend in Portugal? Do you feel that Ferrari will finally be able to get one over McLaren this weekend? Or do you feel that McLaren still have the edge in terms of the overall car slash engine package? I personally still think they have the overall um, edge. Uh, I think Mike Sainz have maybe settled in a bit more than Ricardo, uh, given the first few races, first two races. But um, yeah, I feel that that uh, McLaren, in terms of their performance, uh, car performance, has a little bit of an edge over Ferrari. They've definitely improved Ferrari. Let's not get it wrong from where they were last year. Last year was just a horror story. But um, yeah, this season they they they're definitely. It's nice to talk about McLaren and, like you said, the McLaren uh, Ferrari battle. But obviously, it's not going to be the like the battle for the championship that we all used to know, but it's it's great to see two teams fight it out for yeah, it's third place in the championship, but that is a lot of money to talk about uh in in Formula One terms. So uh especially with budget caps come uh with that have come in and they're coming in for 2022 and more restrictions. So um yeah so for, for uh yeah I still feel at the mi- a minute McLaren might still have the edge. Now, depends what teams' uh, priorities are. Do McLaren want to make sure they get third place again, or do they want to make sure they get a perfect 2020, 2022 car? Hmm. That's where sort of the, 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 the you know Hamilton and you know Mount Mercedes and Red Bull are going to be fighting it for the title because you're fighting for a title. But the rest of them is like. Do you want to go try and get as high place as possible and risk not being well the next season? Or do you want to try and just try and finish as high as you can, but mainly focus on next year? So it'd be interesting to see what they decide, but it's definitely a good battle for third. Hmm. And I think not just McLaren as well. You just got, you've, I mean, I mean, you've got, uh, I mean, no Aston Martin might had a great start. Uh, but that 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 pace kind of disappeared from anywhere, and um, Alpine have got a, a decent car as well. Um, Alpha Tauri at times have been looking at a very sharp and nimble car as well. So you've got very interesting battles there that could on any one day uh, on any one circuit, 
anyone could be above anyone. So, um, yeah, but obviously main protagonists for that third spot are McLaren and Ferrari. And uh, how about you, Corny? How do you see this going between McLaren and Ferrari this weekend? Well, at this point, it looks like Lando pretty much as the edge. You know, obviously, let's, we can't ignore Charles Leclerc. I think he's an exceptionally talented driver. But at this moment, I feel like the momentum is with McLaren in terms of their overall package and also with um, Lando's confidence. I mean, I've, I've never seen him so happy in a car. So at this point, I think it's going to take a lot to beat Lando. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, I agree with that one because I think Charles Leclerc, particularly Imola, practically drove a faultless race. I think he couldn't do any more than he did. He was just very unfortunate the way the race panned out because he probably could have finished second place in that race if it wasn't for the red flag and what had followed afterwards, because he was kind of put in a position where his advantage was wiped out, was gobbled up by Lando on softer tyres with a powerful Mercedes engine. And then, of course, Leclerc couldn't get past him for the sa- for that same reason. He just couldn't overtake him on the straight. Um, I'm just being mindful. Of t- Sorry, Stephen. Sorry, we'll just quickly say with Lando as well, is that one thing I like about mm. Lando is that um, he might look at that, that really nice, like, have a laugh sort of character, but his determination and his dedication, you can't fault. Uh, I mean, I've met, I, I met Lando back in 2019 when I went to the British Grand Prix and it was like an F1 experience package and stuff like that. And he, yeah, he's, I'll tell you what, if you don't, if you do not like Lando, like, uh, there's something wrong with you because um, he is, he is one of the most nicest people you can meet. And one of the fastest you can meet. So, yeah, no, absolutely agree with you. And that's something he's added to his game this season. That you know, I said last season, I hope that Lando not necessarily matures a bit, but is more business in the same way that Daniel Ricciardo is when he does what Daniel does. He acts the way he does, which everyone loves. On himself on exactly. Exactly. And that's a great thing. Hopefully that continues. Um, I'm just being mindful of time, guys. I have a few minutes left, so I'm going to do some quick fire uh, predictions from you both. So. Um, let's talk about briefly the rest of the field. Um, Alpine, do you think they can get in amongst this battle with Ferrari and Mercedes? Courtney, uh, sorry, Ferrari and McLaren, I should say. Courtney first. Uh, at this point, I don't think so. I reckon they're going to start putting their focus on next season. And uh, Stephen, how about you? Nah, I think nope. they'll focus on next season, to be honest. Fair enough. Um, Aston Martin, Stroll, very impressive so far, doing a job for them, getting points. Do you see that continuing? And also, do you think Vettel will get championship points in Portugal? Stephen, I'll go to you first. He has to, really, because he needs to start impressing and that's Aston Martin, really. Mm. And, and yeah, and, and you're right, and because uh, Otmar Zafner said he performed very well, I thought Vettel performed brilliantly well in Imola, who's just very unlucky the race panned out the way it did for him. Um, Courtney, how do you feel on that with Vettel? Do you think he'll get points this weekend? Yeah, well, I reckon Vettel's due a clean weekend, and I think we're going to see it at Portimao. And uh, the rest of the field, Williams, Alfameo, Haas, do you think any of them could get in the points this weekend? And if so, who? Courtney, I'll go f- to you first. Yeah, I know what. If George Russell has a similar package to what he had in the last race, I think he's going to be gunning to get that point because he needs to turn around what was an awful experience for him in Imola. Hmm. So this could be the moment for George Russell to sort of turn around, like similar to how Lewis had a bad race. This could be this could be another example of somebody turning it around because I think George Russell really needs to start making an impact if he wants that second seat. 
And uh, how about you, Stephen? Just uh, yeah. the last 20 seconds or so. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I totally agree with him. Great. Oh, well, guys, that's all the time we've got for. Uh, make sure to subscribe to the channel if you enjoyed the video and also check out Stephen's video as well. We'll put the link in the contents. But until then, take care and we'll see you in the next episode. Podcast Network.